A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Hurlman, sponsored by Starburst. This is Adrian Estala, VP and Field CDO at Starburst and host of Data Mesh TV. Starburst is the leading contributor to Trino, the open source project, and the Data Mesh for Dummies book that I co-wrote with Colleen Tarto and Andy Mott. To claim your free book, head over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Our data is in the cloud. Now what? Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Vikas Kumar, AVP and head of data, AI, and ML at CNA Insurance. To be clear, though, he was only representing his own views in this episode. So some key takeaways or thoughts from Vikas's point of view. Number one, in data mesh, make sure to keep focused on bringing the business domains along. You aren't building for the sake of building. If users can't derive value from the data work being done, why is it being done? Number two, the 2010s through the early 2020s have been about moving data to the cloud, but we are starting to see people really leverage the data that's now in the cloud to generate value. The cloud unlocks many new possibilities around data due to flexibility, scalability, and unit economics. Number three, with moving to cloud, there is much less focus on specifically managing the data itself and more focus on getting value from the data. SaaS data product offerings really unlock people's time to focus on driving value. Number four, cloud gives us the scale and data availability, but there is a long way between having the data available and leveraging the data for driving significant value. Number five, cloud can be a double-edged sword. It gives you the flexibility and scalability, but without good controls, you are likely to do a lot of duplicate work, lots of (laughs) cost embedded in that duplicate work. Be careful that ease of data product creation, or at least proof of concept creation, doesn't create chaos and data product overlap. Make sure to have good governance here, including strong communication. Omar Khawaja talked about that in his episode a lot. 
number six, potentially controversial. We aren't very good yet at making it easy for business domain users to leverage data in many of their decisions. Where do we fall on the spectrum between we need to teach them how to do everything data and we need to curate everything for them? Like, are we teaching them to fish? Are we fishing for them? How far between those do we go? Number seven, another potentially controversial one. It's easy to focus too much on the short-term quick wins in data. You need to think about your overall data landscape and build a foundational approach so you can go after big picture, big impact bets with your data work. You should think about building every data product from a foundational approach too to make them more extensible. Number eight, we need to get people out of their functional silos with business people only speaking business and data people only speaking data. Number nine, to do data mesh well, we have to focus on the operating model of the organization around creating and maintaining data products. There is too much focus on the technical aspects and how to, instead of how does this actually get done in a way that fits with the organization's ways of working. Number 10, data producers must assess data consumers' data fluency levels. If they aren't very strong with data, should you really be delivering them raw data instead of maybe curated insights? I think this is a big kind of ongoing question as to how far does that ownership extend? And, you know, are we just dropping off raw data and the people are going, well, what do I actually do with this? Number 11, for any data product, you should start by mapping it to a target outcome. But it shouldn't stop there because with reuse, new outcomes may emerge that drive additional value. But you have to have something that you're trying to build this for, right? You don't just build it for the sake of building. Number 12, data product owners are crucial to building good data products. It's their job to identify and then satisfy that objective of building the data product. What are you trying to achieve? (laughs) Number 13, we shouldn't focus only on the data product. The work to create that data product is what makes it valuable. The data product is merely the vehicle for delivering the value, the output of real product work around data. Number 14, potentially controversial. Many companies doing data mesh appear to be trying to leave data governance until later, and that is likely to bite them. The governance, meaning the security, access control, but also the interoperability. You might not need to implement all of your data governance up front, but you should plan out your general governance strategy very early in a data mesh journey. This one, I kind of fall on both sides of this. I think a lot of people are using governance as an excuse to not get going. But at the same point, if you're just thinking about each individual data product living on its own and driving value on its own, you're kind of missing the point of the mesh. The mesh is that it's not, you know, service mesh isn't about a bunch of services. It's about how these services interoperate. That's why Jamak titled it data mesh, right? And finally, number 15, access control is a really hard problem. Many organizations don't have good communication or visibility into who is using what data and especially the kind of how and why. We need to be asking these questions and then setting access policies that expire too. We should check in to see if people still need access. That's just good governance. It's not set it and forget it. 
Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Very, very excited for today's episode. I've got Vikas Kumar here, who's the AVP and head of data, AI, and ML at CNA Insurance. But to be clear, he is only representing himself. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. We're going to be talking about um, you know, something that I don't think a lot of we've had anybody really state specifically, but it is kind of a trend that I think a lot of us have noticed of the three phases of data is kind of data was important and now kind of moving data to the cloud and we're really starting to focusing on the actually unifying the data and sharing information instead of just having data somewhat available, but not really usable and not really leverageable and, and where we're not getting the full value about it. And then we're going to talk a lot about kind of data products and, and you know, because this um, specific view on where we have to go with that, how we can do data mesh and data mesh, you know, so many people think of it as your strategy versus your North Star. And that's, to, I, I've said that silly because you <laughs> said you agree that that's not the, uh, it's not your data strategy. And so we're going to just be talking about a whole bunch of different things. But before we jump into that, if you don't mind, if you could give people a bit of an introduction to yourself, and then we can jump into the uh, conversation at hand. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Scott. Uh, and thank you for having me. Actually, really, really excited about this, uh, this opportunity. So uh, as you rightly said, actually, my background, I have around 25 years of IT experience and not throughout is one. It wasn't the data experience. I started like everybody back in nine, late 90s, Unix admin, Ingress, Sybase. So I worked on many, many different technologies uh, beginning of my careers. I mean, Cobol and Foxboro, if, if some of you might even remember I mean, these technologies. And from there on, I started Java, and somewhere around a decade ago, I moved to data. And as Scott was saying briefly, is that, you know, back in in 2000, data was deemed as, hey, we require data. Let's, let me, let's, let's use data to determine what happened in our business and, and make, make use of those things. But after 2010, people really realized that this is really something is so exciting and, it, and we can utilize this to accelerate our business in a meaningful way. And then from there on, people started to realize data is important. Let's move that. And that's where the AWS of the world and the, you know, the cloud of the world came into the picture. And then we moved off from DB to IBM mainframe and in Oracle and Sybase into let's put that in cloud. We can expand that and scale it there. So that's where the data cloud journey actually begins in my point of view. And cloud providers, uh, rightly so, and essentially so, start providing a scale at and high availability of these things. And here comes the data ecosystem altogether coming together where you have uh, AI ML coming up into picture and everything all together coming into picture. Now to, uh, from 2010 to 2022, most of the focus was on moving data to cloud. And when we move the data to cloud, that's where you start to generate the value from the cloud. So you start to give you a good value proposition from this. And from there on, what I see is now happening in 2020 is as people try to see, okay, how can we scale this further, right? 
and and Zamak rightly says in 2018 in one of the videos I've heard about it is it's all about scale it's all about how you make the data available to the business so they can make data driven decisions on that on top of that so it's throughout the journey if you look at it from 20 decade from data was important okay important okay but we can't really scale it so that's where the cloud come into the picture so let's scale the data to the cloud and now from cloud a lot of technologies emerging to scale to fuel that further and propel it further to a place where we can start to involve business in this and that's where i think that the data mesh is really scale this data mesh is really talk about how you scale how do you make business and domain is participate in this? It, it's not about just data people. It's all about business, come bring them together. And it's all about scaling it further. So I am thrilled and excited about this. I've been part of this and we, we went through this journey, but I think also it's all about how you share this data. It's not about scaling. How do you scale the data? How do you make sure how you share data? among not just enterprise but outside of enterprise so really you can bring the value from this data so if you look at the journey started in uh, 2000 data is important yes but people really didn't know what they can do with the data and in 2010 they talk about cloud and 2020 is more of ai ml and scale and all together so so i've been part of it and and i think it's it's fascinating how this is this has evolved so far and i i think one question I would have in there is, was there a specific thing that you think is the the tipping point? Is it simply that, because you said like, once we've gotten the the data to the cloud, that means that we can do more with it. So is there is there something where you think that we're still missing? You know, like there's that, that have we already hit the acceleration point of figuring out like, we're focusing on that unifying and, and sharing the information or are we still kind of figuring that out? And is that people process or is that tooling based? Is there something that you think is still missing for us to really accelerate that? Or do you think that the, the tooling is in place and the people processes, we've kind of started to figure those out. And it's just, we've got to have people that are kind of focusing on it and actually doing the thing. Or are we still kind of figuring that out? Is that going to take another couple of years? Yeah, I think what you what you highlighted is very important, and I want to actually let expand on that one a little bit more. So, in, in two thousand ten until two thousand ten, when cloud wasn't the thing, wasn't the accelerator thing, people tend to data people tend to focus on so much on technology aspect as well. Right? How do you scale my own platform? Like I've dealt with DB two, DB two drivers, DB two versions. People just focus on data to be just manage the data. They didn't know what they can get out of the data. If you, if you know what I mean, right? So now with cloud, it, they, their focus is shifting from not managing the data is to get the value out from the data. So there's a paradigm shift happens all of a sudden and gives you the capability just so that people, like early days, they were DBAs. I mean, how many of you know we have DBAs now? It's more about data managed by somebody. You just get the value out from the data. The manageability expect has just gone. You still do certain things, but you don't spend 60-70% time of managing the data. I would argue now you spend 60-70%, 80% time of get the value out from the data. You just 10-20% it just goes into the platform and cloud manage it for you. So that's where the tipping point I, I saw that is basically it's just the data is available for you to now it's available in front of your eyes and then you start to manipulate that. You start to see meaningful things out of that. 
So big data started from that. I, I worked with Cloud Hera, Hortonwork, and at that time, now big data started. Now the cloud started. No SQL. There was nothing but no SQL at that time, right? So it's all started, and people start to see value from this and see, okay, how we can structure this data. There was no such thing as no SQL in 2000. It's all about how it's propelled together. So instead of going from managing the data is how you are getting the meaningful insights out from the data. So that's the paradigm shift for me. And, and do you think that, so, um, you know, uh, somebody I work with, Sam Ramji, uh, Datastax, has talked about, you know, kind of, uh, I think the 2000s to uh, 2010s, he calls the time of scale out, I want to say scale out compute, and then the next one is scale out network. I can't remember which order he goes in, but mm-hmm. the, the 2020s is about scale out data. And what you were talking about there is something where I think there's a lot of promise, but there's also a lot of risk in that because we are able to, just because we can doesn't mean we should. So right. <laughs> like when we think about the cost benefit of how to do data, you know, I, I started talking to some people about this online, even about um, measuring the value of your data work and things like that. And and people just keep pointing back to kind of vacuum statistics about like, well, what is your usage? Is the usage of this above something else? And it's like, well, does that matter if if this thing is used once a quarter, but it's used to make an incredibly strategic decision and it's incredibly accurate at making that incredibly important strategic decision, it doesn't matter that it's literally accessed once a quarter. You probably don't need to update the data in real time, but it's a value. So like, do you think like, I mean, we saw this a lot in when people moved to the cloud of wasted resource as a former uh, cloud cost manager. Oh man, there was a lot of wasted resources. Um, Do you think that that's that's going to be the thing of of that we've got too much at our fingertips? Or do you think that you're seeing people are doing this in a systematic way where they're they're not going, well, I can, so I'm just going to go kind of crazy? Or what, what are your thoughts there? I think what you're touching on is it's two. I think it's a two and four, two twofold. I think one is you you still have to, as you rightly said, the scale is there, but you still have to manage that, right? And then second is uh, I think I can guarantee you and tell you that even the cloud gives you the the scale and data availability, there are many things which you are still not doing with the data. I think it's 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 it it all comes down to do you really understand your data? I think that's very important, right? And and that's where the business domains come into the picture, right? We as a technologist can give you the data and then all of the grains about the data. But at the end of the day, how do you slice and dice that data so that business people speak a language so they can really, the language they are speaking and you are able to suffice the data for them. So I think I, I see this twofold. One is the scalability is there. Uh, at the same time, you have to be really careful about it that you don't just go and open the, you know, generate so many, you know, EMRs and Spark cluster and things like that because you, you think everybody's doing it, let me do also do it. It doesn't have to be that. And as you rightly said, right, as long as you, you I, the way I see it, you work backward. You start, you start to see what business is looking for. 
and then you backward towards and then generate the data rather than oh i'll give i i do all of the things like, like this, this company is doing ai ml and you know and gpu cpu do you really need that we don't need all of that unless unless there is a need for that so i think it all comes down to and we're going to talk about um, data product in in, in, in in few day, few minutes but i think it all comes down to do you really need that if you really need that then work about it yeah and and i think one thing that's kind of coming out of that 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 has been a, a little bit of a through line but i'd like to kind of get your thoughts on as well is the cost of trying something and the cost of iteration when you're on prem you had to order <laughs> all the servers you had to kind of tee everything up you had all this like capex and all this planning versus cloud you can spin something up and spin it back down but in data, the concept of spinning something down means it was a failure versus where we are from a microservices standpoint, you can spin something up, you can try a new feature. If it doesn't get any traction, you close that tr- that feature down. That's product thinking. That's you know trying, iterating, taking in the feedback, what's actually happening. Do you think when you're talking to people and when you're thinking about this yourself, do you think consumers are ready for that evolution to happen? Because anytime there's been a change, it's been a breaking change. So change is always bad when you're a data consumer because it means something broke upstream or, or you've got something new. But there, we haven't had that kind of producty type of thought process. And are data producers ready for that? Are the data engineering teams, the people kind of in the middle, you know, in data mesh, we're obviously trying to move away from that super centralized team. But even in early days of all these implementations, there's still some centralized team. So like, where where do you think (laughs) when the rubber meets the road, like, where do you still see that as a major challenge? Do you think that's a mental challenge, a people process challenge? Do you think like, how do we get through that, because that seems to be a through line in all these conversations when I talk to people, especially people who aren't in data mesh, the concept of change is is frightening and terrible and bad <laughs> versus we have to iterate and understand and, and, and experiment. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to a concept which I like to say is data with context and, and data literacy. I think it has to, uh, you, your journey has to incorporate these things. Without that, business speaks business language. Data about data speaks data language. So there has to be a combination of these things. If you have to blend these together, then only get out, you can drink that smoothie out. So I would say that it has to be a, when you move the data to cloud and whenever you're working with business, you have to mix the context with the data. So content has to have context around it. And you have platform which can associate this and give the data literacy to the business consumers. So they can give you a feedback loop. it's very important to get the feedback loop for business what you're doing it it has to be a two-way street doesn't have to be one-way street otherwise you won't you're not going to be successful in this it's, it's going to be a constant churn around this if you don't do that so i i think not just you have to involve business from from what they're looking for but constant feedback is very important and uh, so that you get the feedback loop and, and data mesh actually allows you to do that that because you have to work with business and make sure that they they are seeing what they want to see from the data. So on that side, who has to move, right? Is it that the data people have to move 100% of the way? Or is it that the business has to to move 20% of the way and the data people have to move 80% of the way? 
or is it getting the data people out of the conversation and <laughs> it's an entirely different paradigm or like because so many of these things it seems like the advice is you know I, I had an episode with Scott Taylor you know the data whisperer and the the title of it was you know pop your data bubble and stop the data babble and it's it's exactly what you're talking about but at the same point it feels like we're saying this is, you know, the reason people haven't been able to use data is data team, it's been your fault versus we haven't developed these processes. We haven't had the tools and the capabilities to do this. So like, yep. Yep. I don't want to throw the past under the bus, but at the same point, are we saying data people, you have to do a hundred percent of the work? Cause that's where I feel like people are really <laughs> bucking and saying, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I think you, you bring up a good, good point. The way I, I, I would like to see this is, is a, is a operating model to, if you will, right. It has to be operating model and a data product mindset and data product has to be from business side who really understand and gives you the input for the teams, um, the decentralized team. Hey, I want to I, I want to see metric X Y Z, but I want insert in this way, and I want this frequency, right? So I think it has to be. And then operating model. When I talk about feedback loop, that's where the operating model will give you that. So it has to be. Um, there's I don't know whether there is. A, you can say fifty fifty. I think it's it's whatever works for your organization. I would say, but identify who can give who can be part of this operating model so they can communicate to the business and give you the inputs because. Uh, what you are building, make sure it's consumable, as you said, right? Producer, data producer has to make sure at the end of the day, right-hand side, I, I, the way I see it, data gets generated from left-hand side, it gets generated or consumed on right-hand side. So you have to really make sure the right-hand side people are in the mix all the time. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to be successful in this journey. And, and I think this brings up something that's... Uh... Uh, Marisa Fish on her episode mentioned this, and I, I kind of extended her framework, but um, why are we exchanging information? Like, what is the point of this? Exactly what you said in there of like, we need to get very crisp on being clear. What is the point of this information exchange? Am I providing you the data, the raw data in some form or, you know, somewhat cleaned, but raw-ish data so you can create your own insights so you can inform your own opinion based on this. You can combine it with other things. Am I giving you the insight itself and then you have to do the so what, or are you expecting me to do the insight and the so what, and I'm just presenting that at you, that you're you're not doing anything with it yourself other than maybe going and executing on it. And that we have to get super crisp about as the consumer, the consumer, like the, the, I feel like so much of this needs to be on the consumer to make it extremely clear what are your freaking expectations? What do you want from this? Do you want me to literally do your job of telling you the so what? Okay, I'll try and do that. But like you need to tell me instead of you need to say, this is what we're trying to do. This is the data we need. And then it just kind of sits out there because the data has been created, but nobody is in charge of analyzing it or nobody's capable of actually doing the analysis to get to the so what and the execution part. Right. So I think it all c comes down to the North Star as well, right? I think it all depends what in, in, in the data journey where you are as an enterprise, right? I think some enterprise, I would say that they can give whatever you, what you just said. I can give you curated data, I can give you unified data, I can give you raw data, uh, and I have all of the platform and capabilities, I can give that. 
Some may have to just start, let's start minimum. Let's start a, a, let's talk to business and find out, hey, I'll give you curated data. And if you need more than that, we will we have the flexibility and ability to give you that. So I would say it all depends upon the scale of the organization and where you are in this journey. It doesn't have to be start from the North Star. You start a, as much as, uh, as simple as, okay, what are your needs? And, and, and then identify their needs in terms of um, data availability and then in terms of frequency and things like that. And, and also what type of use cases they're trying to solve. It's very important to understand use cases as well. Are these analytic use cases? Are these AI ML and ML use cases? Because I, I can argue that AI ML use cases might that you have to go all the way to raw data to, to fetch that information out. They just can't get inside from the curated data because the nature of the business they are in. So I would say... Yeah, you, it, it's it's not a single answer for that one. It all depends what business is looking for and also in the scale of your organization. Uh, I think that's where the data mesh, I, I would say that people in the data mesh journey want to say, hey, let's do everything what data mesh tells you. No, you don't have to do that. You have to start small and iterate over this and see how it's working for you. I, so that that's where I would think it should evolve from. Yeah, and I think, you know, the data people want to play with their toys, right? I don't want to throw people under the bus, but it's kind of the case. And so a lot of this is focusing on the what matters, like what are we trying to do? But I think that making that implicit explicit, right, of, of having that conversation. I think this does transition well into like, what are some examples? You know, we, we were going to talk about like, what are, what are the signals that you should extend a data product versus create a new one? And I think this kind of comes into that of like, what were you trying to solve with this? Do we want to create this Frankensteinian uh, monster of a um, of a data product that's trying to solve seventy different use cases? Like, how do you have that conversation? How do you think about that? Versus, you know, the the consumer doesn't necessarily care as long as they get what they want, exactly, yeah. and so they yeah. don't care about the mechanism. So, like, how are you thinking about that, and how are you? How are you having that conversation with them to not just say, you know, they say, well, isn't it easy? We just, you know, you've got the data, just give me the data versus like, how are you thinking about that process of, of measuring where, where are our boundaries? Where should we do this? Like, how do we go forward? And actually the, the one you just said is it's, it's, I would like to say it's pretty clear and some people had, it's pretty gray and some people had. <laughs> so I think people struggle with the data product concept. And I, and I thought maybe a simple analogy might be helpful to provide and provide an uh, insight about this. So if, if, and I, I since I worked on Unix, I, I came up with this, some of analogy is in Unix world, uh, the way I see all of the Unix command, you can treat them as a product. For example, SED, is a said command that many of you use is, is, is Unix, is a text stream editor, which allows you to identify quickly and efficiently. But you can pipe with something and, and get something, some other capabilities out of that. So what I'm trying to say here, and, say, and same for AW, AWK command in Unix, AWK commands in Unix allow user to process and manipulate data and produce in different reports format. But if you pipe, with something else, you get different result out of it. So what I'm trying to say is, you always try to map a data product with some some sort of an outcome, but it doesn't it doesn't have to stop there. You can always extend that outcome to something else. 
So start with something which gives you the meaningful and measurable output and meaningful output to the business. But you end there, do you stop there? No, it doesn't have to be. You can extend it further with some other capabilities and expand it. So that's how I see it. And I'm sure there are different camps of thoughts about this one. People see it differently. People say, okay, what, where should I start? How should I start? And, and people talk about platform as a product. People talk about data set as a product, right? So they have different definitions around it. The way I like to see it is as long as a product, data product gives a insight to the data, to the business, what they're looking for, you can call that as a data product. Yeah, I, I think that within Data Mesh, I've, I've used it for a while and I'm, I've kind of moved away from it, but like stop using the phrase exact data product because data product means so many different things to so many different people. Exactly. But what you're talking about is, is true of like what, when you think about a product, it has a point, it has a reason for existing. And so much in data, like, do you create a data product that is a test of a, is this valuable? And then you shut down that product quickly People in data don't have that concept. You know, Monzo Bank, um, I, I reference this a lot because it just kind of made, it sounded so crazy to me. They had at the time about, I think, 2,500 people. And they said, we have 4,500 data assets in production in, in a bank of 2,500 people. And it's like, okay, how many people are engineering or data people? Let's say even it's it's over 1,000, right? Still way too many per each person, right? And, and that... Are you tracking the usage or, you know, they were so super proud of their lineage and it was like, that's great because it is a mess for anybody to track what's going on. So like what you're talking about there of that you've got to have a point for the data product that you, you need to think about that. How have you found that that communication goes well? to the business people or have you found that they're they're kind of not in a lot of cases in that product thinking as well and you have to explain kind of and it's both sides learning together or is it that they you know a lot of times when i talk to business people they get business concepts and product is a business concept so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no i think again and it comes down to you should have a product owner for this data product it's very essential to have a product owner for this data product and and their job essentially is to um, identify what's the objective of this. What's the end result of these? What are we trying to achieve? In uh, what are the characteristics of this? What are the funda- fundamental of this? What are the governance of these? Right? How do you want to scale this? Or who's going to use this? What outcome are we going to get it? I think once you identify, and I, I haven't listed out all of it, but if you once you identify some of these things, I think you start to see the picture, and you start to see the value. I think the value proposition has to be there to begin with. Otherwise, you're going to waste time and, and you're going to throw in the trash. I think the value proposition is important, right? And it also comes down to, I can give you from my, from, uh, from my experience, uh, there are, there, consume, let's say business users go to 10 different things to perform one exercise. Can you combine into one? Can you give them one interface to do that? That's itself a value proposition. I, instead of going into 10 different things, I'm just doing it from one place. So that's a that's a value proposition for the for the for the business. They don't have to toggle to different different places to get just just one meaningful information out. So it's, it can be as simple as that. 
And I think it also, you, it's a product mindset has to be there. You start simple, you iterate over this, you, you prove the point and you say, yes, this is something we can expand upon. And then you iterate over it. It's a journey, product is a journey, it's not a project. So you have to iterate over this and keep adding things on top of that. So business has to be part of that, what I'm trying to say. And the product definitions and product ownership has to be part of it as, as well. Yeah. And one thing in there is, so we talked about it a little bit earlier, but data historically, we haven't had that product life cycle and things. And so we're seeing, it's crucial to see that this has a value, but that value can be that we tried it and found out it doesn't have a value. Is, is that a mindset that you're having people like that blows their mind of like the value was in figuring out does this have a value to continue with it forward? And the second you find the answer is no, or that the cost exceeds the benefit that you shut it down and that that's okay. Is that something that you're finding people are actually willing to engage with that thought versus you're telling me I'm creating a product and I may have to kill it? You know, like, I mean, even in in data, your AI ML side, right? So you're familiar with the feature factory side (laughs) of AI and how bad that can be. Like, we kind of have that on the data side too of, of, you know, this is an interesting quote unquote insight. Is this what we actually call an insight? Is this ongoing something that we should continue to do? Like, are you finding that people are okay with the idea of testing to see if something has value and that that testing has value, but that it doesn't have to mean that we actually end up with a net value versus we tried to like, should we enter this new market? We went and we did all the the information work and we found out we shouldn't. That has a value from preventing a bad business decision, but like, will people assign a value to that versus, well, it didn't mean that we netted a bunch of revenue or things like that. Yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting question. The way I would like to see this, I think when you start a journey of a product, I think you, you of course, start with a set of goals in mind that I want to achieve this X, Y, Z goals with this one. What I see is end up happening sometime is this X, Y, Z goals might be present in some other data products. So that's where I see the, the mind shift shift. Okay, a data product which we thought will do X, Y, Z, but there is another data product is already doing X, Y, Z plus uh, and then should we keep them together? Should we combine it? What do we do around those scenarios? So I think the way I see this is evolving This in this context, for me at least, are we, so one of the things we have to make sure we're not duplicating data product. And that's where I think what I'm saying is where you might have an opportunity to combine these or get rid of one if you have seen. So I don't, I don't, I think you have to be very, very careful, careful about is make sure that only a single responsibility is principle is there so you're not duplicating things into uh, whether it's a data set whether it's capabilities whether it's a product feature whatever it is you're not duplicating this that has to be part of that conversation as well so i haven't seen anything like that you truly trash the whole thing you may learn something from what you build and then you if you think there are other things which you're building and this can then that other thing can incorporate what you just built previously so be let's do that yeah that's interesting i think i am hoping that we see more people that you know throw things in the bin because i do think that we have to get realistic about ongoing costs and that that you know tech debt tech data debt there like 
data debt is can be that you did something wrong, but it can also just be you've got something that's running where the usefulness is not there anymore and it's okay to pivot away from that. And and I hope we can get to that, but it's not it's not a conversation that people are willing to engage in right now. Yeah. And then and then you you very easily can get into the soil with the cloud because it gives you the capability to just quickly turn on the things and do it. So you have to be very careful about, as we talked about in the beginning, cloud give you the capability and flexibility and scalability, but it also can easily be uh, give you duplications things and there are duplicate things out there and people are not governing those things out there as well. So you have to be careful about cataloging these things, providing meaningful definitions around these, make sure you provide the context around this, make sure who's your, who's your API consumers are. It all comes down to governance process as well. And then, and then operating model, which we talked about. Yeah, I, I think the question around white space of, is it worse to have two things that, that have a bit of overlap? You know, you don't want them to have a ton of overlap, but that um, if there's a white space where you're not covering something that could be important, is like the balance between white space and overlap and, and how we, we think about that. But um, I think that's a, a very broad philosophical question. <laughs> yeah. Happy to give you uh, space to react to that. But I also, I think this transitions well, a lot of what we're talking about of focusing on the long-term instead of the short-term. A lot of people, when they're thinking about data work, they keep saying, go for the the, the low-hanging fruit, go for the, the, the wins, go for quick time to value. And if you're only focused on these quick times to value, you know, you're, you're getting um, just the small point total, you know, whatever sport you want to use as an analogy that if you're really only focused on these kind of small wins, you in the long run, you're losing out to the people that are focusing somewhat on the long term and still getting that short term to get the momentum. But like, how do we actually give ourselves the space and the room to focus on that long term when we could just keep racking up these, you know, small wins that are pretty easy, but that don't play into the greater whole and that you're not betting all your your thing on one kind of long-term bet versus multiple long-term bets. But like, how do you think about balancing that? How do you think about having that conversation, especially the world is now quarterly driven, right? <laughs> it is so much quarterly financially driven. So like, how do you think about having that conversation to make it so people are okay that you are focusing more on long-term things, but that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket? Sorry, complicated question. No, I think I think it, it's a fascinating question. And the, the way I would like to see is, let me try to answer it if I, the way I like to see is um, you create the base, databases. I would not databases, database, or, or I would like to call it more of a um, um, abstraction layer, for lack of a better word. You create this abstraction layer, virtualization layer, whatever you want to call it. And then you, that, that, that has to be built with the product long-term mindset. On top of that, once you have identified that base, what I mean is you curate the data in such a way that it can you can quickly, hey, let me utilize this 20% to get quick quick win out of that. Let me utilize the 20%. What I don't want people to just say, hey, let's let me just curate this data for just 20%. I think your mindset should be when you get the data into the cloud, you look at it holistically. 
you look at all of the lines of business data. You look at uni, uni, universally all of these things because you can quickly get into the silos and then you can not be able to, you know, in, interportability, you will miss the interportability if you don't look at the holistic picture. So I think interportability and the holistic picture when abstraction data is very, very important. And that's where the long term comes to the picture. So everybody, whoever is doing that, I would say, and based on my experiences, look for opportunities to holistically design the data in such a way that you can quickly turn that into value streams with some small, small data products. So your data product base is essentially is very important from you are building these on top of that. I would like to see more of a pyramid. If you see the pyramid, base of the pyramid is the base where you're building these up. It doesn't have to take the pyramid shape. You can quickly iterate it over it on top of that. But it's very important. And also, it's it's a, it's a, it's what, since you're asking me that, uh, in my experience, somebody asked me, can you give me uh, intelligence data? Uh, let me ask, okay, how many accounts is there? So accounts, in, in any company, accounts can be many things and many, 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 many places account exist. So what do you do about this use case, right? So you, what I'm saying is you build the abstraction layer you bring the data sources from multiple places into this abstraction layer for a, for a given LOV, and you make intelligence, that layer is intelligent enough, and then that's where the context and, and APIs come into the picture. Hey, I'm going to give you this query. Can you give me the data out? I don't, I don't know where you're going to give me from, which data source, but give me that information out. So that's where the long term come into the picture. You create this abstraction layer, and then you derive the data from there. Does it, does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and and it really does. And I think my my question from that becomes how do you build a base of, of these data products? You know, we I've kind of talked about um in your phase one of data mesh, you're kind of putting out initial data products around your use cases. And then once you're kind of heading towards phase two, you start to think of your suite of data products around certain capabilities and things like that. I like the the concept of a base. I, I was going to say, what about a building's foundation? But you're building multiple buildings on top of <laughs> what this is in this analogy. So that the buildings, it's like, do you have a foundation for a block and they're all built on top? Anyway. Um, but uh, that one thing that I would ask you is, so scalable and flexible and agile, right? Not capital A agile, but like ability to, to kind of um, change with the times quickly and, and not lock yourself into anything. How do you build that base so that, or how do you think about building it so that you aren't tied into anything? And as new things emerge, you don't have to create an entirely new base every single time. This This is what I think of around like taxonomies and ontologies and things like that, where Jamak is so, I don't think she's against them as much as she's against the way that they have been used because they've been used as these very, very rigid structures. And, and I'm trying to think of who, I think it was Ala Hale was talking about, um, it might've been Yelena Samulova, but was talking about like bridges and engineering and that, you know, rigidity versus um, flexibility and that you have to have that balance Otherwise, if something's too rigid, then it's very brittle. But if something's too flexible, it can't support anything. <laughs> so like, how do you find, find that? How do you create that base to build on top of, but that 
isn't like this is the, you know, uh, these are the, the only way that this can be built on top of versus yeah. what gives us the ability to shift things. Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. And I think if you, if you remember what I talked about, it was a data product, extendability of data product. You can extend that, right? You can extend from that base. It doesn't have to use or you everything is attached to that base, right? So what I'm trying to say is you, you have a foundation, right? But that foundation is extendable to your data product. So it's it's become detachable from there. What, what that base will allow you, foundation allows you to do, to quickly develop these things, quickly iterate these things. So you're not struggling to find out, okay, what from where I should build this from. That's what I was saying. So it's not a big gigantic shape, but you're still building a small shape of these product for the analogy purpose. But you knew a prototype, you knew a blueprint, and from there on you're building it up. Yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of the things people are talking about with um, templates and things like that, that even what you're talking about is that kind of templating thing of like, we we have something that makes it so you can get 80% of the way there quickly. If you don't, if, you know, 40% of it doesn't actually even work, we're going to make it so that you can throw that out, that it's not that if you throw out the 40%, it blows out the other 40%, but like that you're focused on making it so that there are, you know, the whole building block analogy and things like that, that there are many different of these components that are loosely coupled to each other, but that give you that, that capability to quickly get to a value stream or get to some value from the value stream as you iterate, right? How, how do you get something out there and capture, you know, 40 or 50% of the value in two weeks as you build towards it actually being a product over the next three to four weeks and you capture the rest of that value, that you get that out there quickly and you get the feedback because it might be, well, you were thinking that we were going, you know, kind of Northeast and instead we're going to go Northwest, right? And it's like, okay, we, we started to go Northeast and we went three miles along the path and we talked to them and said, is this where you wanted to head? And they're like, no. And so then that, that, divergence that move is much less than if you went 150 miles and then you've got to go all the way, you've got to go a hundred miles back across to the, to the Northwest. So um, yeah, I, I really like that concept. Do you have any advice on somebody on how to actually figure out how to do that? Because, you know, it's, it's great to say like, do this, but like somebody trying to go, okay, because I want you to tell me how to actually do this. Do you have advice on building that extensibility? I think it all it also comes down to um, value stream in terms of in terms of platform capabilities, um, uh, your governance models, and and how the actually data is flowing in. So I think once you establish that uh, that ecosystem, I think things will start to come up. And then also I would like to also see that these this product has to be driven from a stream where you quickly doing the prototyping and POCs and proving out that, okay, yes, this is really what you want to see. And more of a assembly line, a factory approach where you're building these small, small parts and you're building this all together, you quickly realize that, oh, this is something I want to build or this is something I don't want to build. So I think I would say this is more of an agile methodologies and, and quickly driven from um, each part and process, part and process, process, but that, that multiple teams and contributing to it. So they, they're quickly realizing and giving you the feedback, hey, this is something I want to build it. 
right? So so think of an assembly line concept that the many parts come together from many places, but you're doing a quick, a small POC. Yeah, I want to build this. Yes, this is, makes sense. Let's continue to build it and then prove it to the assembly line. That's how I, I see this. Yeah, I, 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 you're just unlocking a lot of like through lines that have been <laughs> through a lot of these uh, conversations for me because I think you know, we, we talk about be extensible, do this, do this, do this. But I think exactly what you're talking about of like, you can't lock yourself into too much, but you also can't, you can't just do everything uh, custom each time. So you want to find more and more of these places where, what are the things that we found that worked? Let's, let's automate those. Let's, let's consider that toil for 80% of the people. So let's figure that out. But if this was toil for 10%, we're not going to automate it, right? We're going to say that like, if you run across this, we've got something that might help you, but we're not going to automate it. We're going to do that. And it just, it seems like, yeah. And, and that value stream approach, like how do you, how have you found thinking about searching out these value streams, right? Uh, you know, the divining rod, the little like stick that you hold that like is supposed to help you find water, but doesn't actually, but like, how are you, how are you looking for those? Like, how do you evaluate? Is this value stream worth it? Is it, is it something where we just want to go with a, a big old bucket and just try and grab all of the water once and move away from it? Cause that's all the value of the water in that one thing versus we want to tap the stream and put like a water wheel on it and get some power from it. Like, yeah. how do you think about that? I think the way I would like to see is value stream is one component of your data product, right? You, you have many streams and value stream is just one component of your end result of a data product. So once you establish value stream and then you establish this value stream is, is, is doing what you're supposed to do, as you said rightly about the, you, you wanted to fill the water in this, but make sure that water is not leaking and it's, it's carrying forward all the way to the, to the end and all of the value from whatever you're building it is, is captured and, and kept there. So the way I would like to see is you, you have a certain, um, let's, let's put an analogy on this. Let's say you go to Union Station and there are many, many tracks come into the Union Station. Your Union Station is a value stream at the end of the day. It's a product you want to build it. So I think I want to, the way I like to see analogy perspective, there are many things coming together, right? But at the end of the day, they had to come to become a, a, a tool or a product or a data set, whatever you want to call it, which you can consume it, which you can utilize it at the end of the day. So this value stream is essentially is, is a component of, or, a, or a vehicle of, of that journey, which gives you that capability to, uh, when you reach to the destination, then you can start to see the value from these things. But the value stream could be a, a stream of streaming work a stream of governance work a stream of uh, uh, data work you know and then you you quickly do the pocs uh, along the way and quickly realize it a uh, by doing the pocs in agile way you quickly realize it whether you you are um, producing the result which you want to produce it at the end of the day and then that's where i was talking with the feedback loop to the business it, it's essentially a need need as well so you need to make sure that whatever you're building it and the business is giving you feedback along the way, so you make sure that whatever you're building it is consumable, and you know, and then give you the value out of that. Right, and and so I think I've got one aspect that I think is correct, and I think I've got one where I my brain kind of went that is completely incorrect. So I would like to to, to do. The, 
so what you're saying is each product should have kind of multiple value streams and that the the that there isn't a single if if you've got a single kind of small scale point that's probably too small for a singular product maybe not but probably and so you want to think of there being multiple value streams because there are multiple capabilities of a product because otherwise what you've got is is a feature right and then the other aspect of it was when you first started to talk about that it, i was almost thinking you were saying that the the value of the product isn't the point that you were trying to create from the product. And I think I've got that wrong because I think you, mo- you moved into the multiple value streams, but like, I want to make sure that, that I, I don't have that right of that. There's a much bigger point to the product than what you were building it to achieve. I don't think you were saying that, but I, I want to make sure that I... No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I think that the, the stream is essentially is the component. That's all. I, I may have maybe not articulated correctly. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, 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 you got there and that's where my brain went. And I was like, I don't think this is what he's <laughs> saying, but like this would be a really interesting point that I really want to dig into because my brain cannot <laughs> comprehend how that would work. But I want to know if he's saying that because I think... You know, you're 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 uh, dropping some some pretty good uh, information on us and some pretty good uh, thought processes. So I was like, if he's saying that, I, I need to know more because I my brain let's, can't let's dig into that more. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've we've covered a whole bunch of different things. Um, I, I kind of is there any like we're we're we've still got you know ten minutes or whatever before kind of we generally look to wrap up, but is there anything that you want to head into um as we're generally wrapping up the conversation we were we were looking at kind of maybe empowering the domain you know with resources or like how do we actually get people to iterate towards good and not be perfect and and things like that or you know the self serve platform we were looking at, at doing a bunch of those different topics, but is there anyone that you think is really important that you want that you think people have it's been undercover or you think people really need to know or yeah i think self-serve platform is an interesting one i think a lot of people um, undermine the, the the importance of that i think and not many people focus on that i think it's something and because the reason i'm saying it 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 incorporate governance security accessibility uh, to this data product I think it's very important aspect that every organization should pay a, a heavy amount of time there uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how do you want to achieve that? Because there's, there are many ways to uh, to do that, right? You can you can do as as simple as you you start YAML or JSON or whatever you want to do it, and then you 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 terraform and do that. But but you can go as fancy as you create your own product to to achieve that. So I would say it's uh, it goes back to our previous uh, beginning of the call, right? How do you achieve self-service platform to the business? I think it's very important that you create um, something which is just clicks. You just do clicks, and then I have the self-service platform ready for the consumers and for the business, And but it also have the security, it also have the governance, it also have the context. So they and, and there are many ways to build that. I think people... Um, try to establish um, uh, there. There are some tools out there that which which does something, but there are many. Uh, and and cloud gives you different capabilities to build this. You have to be um, 
uh, savvy about what is out there and how do you build such a platform which gives you the flexibility because i can tell you many organization um, have small small capabilities but they don't know how to bundle this together to create a self-service platform how do you think about risk when you think about self-serve and not just that somebody gets access to the wrong like to data they shouldn't have access to versus East Oldfield had made this point and and it's really started to sink in more and more as as I've talked to more people that if somebody doesn't know what they're looking at but can get access to many different things that they don't know what they're looking at, they can make a lot of real bad (laughs) decisions based on data they don't understand. So how do you think about building in I mean, is it building in um, some breaks to make sure that people are um, not just going and poking at things and going, I now know what this means? Or how do you think about balancing? Because, you know, we want everybody to be able to embed information, you know, analytics and data and things into their day to day to improve what they're doing. But in a lot of cases, they can be information overload, or they can completely misinterpret what that means, what the the data that they're seeing means, and make bad decisions based on it. So, how do you think about, uh, you know, cost benefit there, and and how do you think we can maximize the benefit while, you know, containing the risk, or at least making people aware that there is a risk if they if they're not paying attention to what they're really learning. So the, actually, you ask a couple of questions there. So let me ask, try to answer um, one, one each, each of them. So one is no, it's totally fine. I think it's, it's and so one is uh, a platform. Uh, I mean, okay. So so let's say I'm a data scientist and I want to access certain data set, right? So I think it, you uh, you have as when I talk about the platform, you should have the capability to define the functions in organizations. Okay, who is who? Right, that's very important. And then when you build this platform, that actually already capturing that information who you who is caught they belongs to this uh, lob and he 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 operate under this function so we already know that who you are and that's the second thing which you ask and and actually i don't know you ask or not the other thing which i would also say how do i know scott needs his data access for one month two months six months one week right <laughs> so i think it comes down to governance so i think when i'm i am truly when i'm building a data pro self-service platform i would incorporate that as well do you need access i think one of the things people struggle with and i've seen it in past is is infosec and other organization just they don't know who's accessing it what and and how, how, what's the time frame so you build a platform which gives you a capabilities to decommission that access once that time frame is elapsed so i think it it and it can be built yeah, I mean, there are tools out there, there are capabilities out there, it can be built, and that's where it is. And also, the, the second portion of you ask, so you just ask a people person, I'm, I'm going to talk about the, the even the platform and services concept as well. How do you, how do I know this, this service is accessing this data, this service, so you, you, you give them service account, IM identity, and then all of that. But how do I know that they are not just attached to all the time? How do you make sure you, you decouple those? So there is a two component of that. One is a human component, other is a service component. So you have to establish a platform which can decommission these 
once the time is elapsed once the so and then uh, this also brings up an important question which uh, i see about most of the time is the production data access okay i want to access production data so and then many organization doesn't want to give the production access to anybody right so i think this platform also gives you the capability to satisfy those use cases as well yeah and, and i think one thing that's come up a, a lot is um so sarita baxt was the first one that really brought this up to mind, which I kind of, the more that I dig in, the more that I don't love automated access unless the the data product itself is pretty harmless if anybody in the organization gets access to it, right? And, and our back, things change and evolve in a large organization. If you're in a small enough organization where a data engineer is a data engineer is a data engineer, or that, or if you're in a giant organization and you treat all of your people as if they're exactly cogs and exactly the same, you're you're not doing data mesh right anyway. But if if you're, you know, what what Sarita mentioned was there's sensitive information in data products. If anybody were to just go ahead and get access, so what they have is is somebody who registers their use case. And they tell the the producer, this is exactly how I'm going to use it. This, give me the access for this in this way, and it will get connected downstream. And you have visibility into how I'm connecting it with other information, how I'm dealing with it. And that that means that that producer is far more comfortable. And then that consumer's like actually signs, you know, a DocuSign based contract or whatever. It's not just, okay, I'll give you access to it. And I trust that you're going to do this. They're the ones that then take on regulatory risk where that consumer is now the one that if they misuse the data, they're the ones that are in trouble with the regulator. They're the ones who, you know, (laughs) It hopefully not go to actual jail, but you know who their their organization within the the greater company is going to get get fined and get in trouble and and all of that. But that that conversation going between somebody saying I would like access and making that happen with that conversation is incredibly quick. And that that self-service is also about granting access. It's not about just everybody having access to everything because that just creates ridiculous, unnecessary risk. And it's just, there's not a lot of reason to do it versus the the kind of concept of making this just extremely low friction for people to exchange context and to figure out. And, and, say the the producer doesn't know is that allowable by law or you know does that does that fit anything i'm going to go to my central governance team and we're going to have a conversation and i'm going to share the context with them but i'm not asking the governance team to understand my domain where if somebody says hey can we get access to xyz column or whatever and it's like well that's sensitive information well we're going to use it in this way we're we're trying to get access to everybody's phone numbers so that we can say how many people have an area code that doesn't match their zip code, right? That's totally different from, and that's all we're trying to do. It's like, oh yeah, we can do that and we can truncate it so you only get the area codes, right? Or we can do like stuff like that where it's just not an issue and boom, it just makes it easy and golden and and you move forward. So like, I guess I'm not even sure what my question is here, but like. No, I think what are you trying to, um, uh, I mean, if if I got this right, how do you make sure that right people ex- get access to the right thing? I think so. I would say that a, a group of functions, if you're a data analyst, if you're a data 
product or uh, you're consuming some of it and and you have a role which you don't want to you know you don't have a role where you you can see social security number date of birth and things like that for example right so i think that's where it comes down to your your data products should have capabilities to to filter those things out based on their functions what they are what who is accessing what and you build intelligence around it because I can tell you that data scientists can, will come and stay on your head. I want access to everything because I uh, because I can I'm running certain certain algorithm and I want to actually see. And I have in situations where um, certain state uh, such as California is doesn't allow you to even see the whole zip code. <laughs> so so you, you can only have so I, I've been in situation where I can give okay so that the, the the easy way to deal with it, you get first three. So you will be surprised to know that first three will give you a whole county. So you're not pinpointing an individual person in their zip code. So there are ways to handle such information. You have to be aware of it, and you have to make sure you incorporate that functionality in your data product when you're building these self-service platforms. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot. I think it's the answer that comes from that or the question of like, well, then how do we do it is, is we're figuring it out. It's tough. It's not that there's exact answers, but there's, there's stuff where you just look for the toil and you automate that out. And the toil, especially in, in data mesh is going to be stuff you don't expect, right? Cause you think that it is the tooling aspect or it is this, or it is that. And a lot of it's like, um, just, you know, so many people are talking about, okay, the toil is is that somebody feels like they have to design their schema, their data model entirely from scratch. And it's like, we've, we've just got a standard schema, a standard data model. Does your data fit this? Hey, yeah, we can bring somebody in to even poke at it and say, does this fit this? But boom, here's the thing, right? Like that we just find those ways that we make this, that we look for the friction points because even finding who's been using your data and everything like that, people don't have it. And so when we actually start to look for the friction, we can't tell where the friction actually is. And so I think having these conversations be a lot more like front and center that we say, there will be friction, there will be pain. Let's find it. Let's, let's get rid of it. But we want you to tell us instead of we want to ignore you when you try and tell us that there's a problem. We want to yeah, tell you, you. You just talk about a whole separate paradigm uh, schemas is basically is every industry have their own schema. So do you try to fit everything? Do you do you live with 40-50%? That's a whole set of conversation and I can talk, I can talk about like hours and hours on that, but because I've dealt with such such just things. Yeah. We're there's a, a, a panel that we're recording uh, relatively soon with some folks on on data modeling and data mesh. And you know, uh, my point around that is that I think we need to reinvent certain aspects of it or we need to test certain aspects. But yes, there's also an easy path 90% of the time and it's fine to take that easy path. <laughs> this doesn't I, add that I, much I, 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 I can tell you, yeah, let, me, let me know if you want to be part of that because I can tell you that the biggest complex schema is the travel industry. Yeah. So and I've dealt with it. it it's it's huge. It's it's like you can't even wrap your head around with this one. Yeah, the, the Carlos Saono is at eDreams Odigio, and he was on, and I kind of liked their approach, especially in the travel industry, because they have just a single domain event. That's the the maximum size of a data product is a single domain event. So that way, 
it is if people want to cross and, and create all of this stuff, it's all on the consumers because otherwise it becomes so difficult to try and put everything together all at once. Because yeah, yeah, I mean, um, a trip means something completely different in nine different domains and all that. So yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I dealt with three, I de- I dealt with three different products uh, on the one travel industry. You can talk about it anytime if you would like to. It's very complex if you just combine it one. You have to separate. I think it calls again. It call, comes down to microservices versus monolithic. You don't want monolithic in travel. It will be nightmare for you to understand because trip could be something else in 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 airlines. Trip could be something else in hotels. I mean, it, it's it's a night. Yeah, it's very very complex out there. So I would like to see uh, at the consumer uh, as if you can filter it where it gets generated and have a schema for that, then it'll be good for you to consume it later on. Because you don't want when it comes and land it there, then you you know trying to schema schema find things, and it'll be very complex. So I would say that's that use case you try to fix at consumers at producer side, not consumer actually at producer side, and then have some sort of a schema enforcement there. Yeah, and I think that's what they're 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 making it as easy as possible to do like foreign key com- combinations, but that it's not they're not trying to make it overly complex because that's exactly what you said. So, but uh, yeah, so um, well, because this has been a, a really really great conversation. Is there anything uh, we didn't cover that you wanted to, or any way you'd kind of want to wrap up the episode in general? No, I think I would I would just uh, wrap it with the data mesh. I think data mesh is really is trying to solve the scale problem. I I would say and and the scale problem and then and then not just the scale and how do you make sure that business is part of your journey? I think domains are part of your journey because I I truly believe they are the one who knows about the data better than you. Be data people know. They they if and they are part of the journey. If you empower them to make and self-sufficient and they can be part of that ecosystem and that will help establish the decentralized uh, f- phenomena i think that's that's where the data mesh is really scale and, and give you give you really true value out of that but it takes it takes a lot of uh, effort it takes a lot of operation stuff it takes a different mind shift shift but i think jamak Jama has done a fantastic job and i think we all all trying to uh, put that out there that yeah there is a there is a shift mind shift you need to have if you really want to do the data mesh and he, and also you don't want to be be as i talk about not the star of that you start a small you iterate over that and then it and it also it, it you have to really see whether you are a true fit for that i think it, it also with any any other in data in any any product you see what's the fit for this if you're fit for this i think you should really you know adopt it embrace it yeah, but but it's fascinating how people are uh, starting to see this. And, and I'm, I'm glad people are starting to adopt that more and more. Yeah, I, I get really concerned when people just talk only about a data mesh architecture instead of data mesh involving the, the organization and the domains and things like that. That It's like it's not just a technology problem. But um, Well, so uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would love to follow up with you after this. Um, where's the best place to do that? Anything specific you'd like them following up about? I think I'm 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 on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. So Twitter, my Vikas Kumar nine uh, is my Twitter handle. Um, Vikas Kumar Sharma is my um, uh, LinkedIn uh, profile. Um, my email is vikaskumar nine at gmail dot com. Happy to uh, talk and, and you know, interact with people based on that. Uh, so all three platforms I'm, I'm actively available. 
Yep. And, and we'll drop links to those in the show notes to make it easy for people to reach out as well. But uh, again, because thank you so much for your time here today. And as well, thank you everyone out there for listening. Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Vikas Kumar, AVP and Head of Data AI and ML at CNA Insurance. You can find a link to his LinkedIn and Twitter, as well as his email in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left DataStax, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of Throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.